Hello and welcome to this episode of Move, Breathe, Live with me, Wibbs Coulson, or my, sometimes my wife, Jenny Wren. Just a quick note to say that throughout this episode, myself and my guests sometimes do get a little bit potty-mouthed. There is the occasional profanity. So if you find that right now you need to listen through headphones, if you've got kids around or something else, then it might be an idea to do so or come back later to this episode. I hope you enjoy the episode and will let me know what you think. I look forward to see, uh, seeing you on the other side. Today's sponsors of the podcast are Bamboo Clothing. They're a clothing company who aim to bring environmentally sustainable products to a market of continued fast throwaway fashion. They are working towards a zero carbon footprint by the year 2030, but also aiming to address every impact they have on the planet from ensuring the entire supply chain they use from the growers to the seamstresses and seamers i think that must be what they were called get fair pay and are treated with dignity all the way to having a zero waste going to landfills zero pollution and zero wasted water bamboo offer both men and women's active wear and casual daily clothes that are so damn soft and comfortable it's not even funny Currently, I'm sitting here wearing a pair of bamboo boxer shorts, which are the most comfortable boxer shorts in the world, a pair of bamboo jeans, and one of their jumpers. I can honestly say, I am comfortable. <laughs> Literally everything you could ever want clothing-wise, they basically sell. And as someone who has pretty much spent the last 18 months wearing solely bamboo gear, I should also say I am wearing bamboo socks. I cannot recommend them highly enough. If you go to the checkout and use the code WIBS15, you'll get a 15% off your order. They also offer free delivery on orders over £50. And there is a free returns and exchange policy too. So go get some gear. Get it on. Get on your mat. Tag me in your Insta post along with bamboo. And use the hashtag MyBandKit. So remember, WIBS15 for 15% off. The second sponsor of today's podcast is Mandukya. Mandukya make the Rolls Royce of yoga mats, the Mandukya Pro. I've been using a Pro for the last 13 years now, and I can honestly say I would never want to have another mat. I've tried other friends' mats, but they've never felt as good or as comfortable to be on as the Pro. So like I say, if you're going to buy a mat, I can highly recommend the Manduka Pro. It's one of the best investments you'll ever make. It will see out just about any other mat you can buy. And that's coming from a yoga teacher of eight years who has seen many a student go through a number of mats in that time before purchasing a Manduka. They do come also with a lifetime guarantee, which is also another big bonus. You can go use the code WIBSYOGA, W-I-B-B-S-Y-O-G-A, to get a 10% discount. This code also gives a 15% of the cut to me as a yoga teacher. So by purchasing a mat or anything else on their website, you can support environmentally friendlier yoga mats and also me at the same time. So remember that's WIBSYOGA for that 10% discount. Now, on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. 
Hello and welcome to Move, Breathe, Live with me, Jenny Wren. I've managed to steal the mic off Wibs this week and I am chatting to one of my oldest friends, Robin Way, who I met travelling all back in 2006. Um, Robin is now a psychotherapist specialist in childhood and past life regression therapy. And she deals with a lot of emotional wounds and emotional trauma and healing. I reached out to Robin a little while ago so that she could help me on my own journey of self-discovery emotionally, physically and spiritually. So enjoy the episode. Please go to the usual places, Spotify and Apple to rate and review and share this around with everybody you know. Thanks, guys. everybody this is Jen um, on Jen and Wibbs's podcast and today I'm being joined by the amazing Robin hello Robin hi Jen how are you going thanks Good. for having me on my pleasure and loving the Aussie accent I'm missing you guys over there <laughs> <laughs> yes well we're a long way away aren't we I know um so today um as I said we're talking to Robin she is a spiritual psychotherapist so Robin just tell us a little bit about kind of how you came about finding this job yeah well it was a bit of a um a journey it was a long way around to find my passion and to find my purpose in uh, being of service in in this capacity and it really began I think I spent over 10 years traveling around Australia with my dog Bella who you are familiar Mm -hmm. with because we met on that journey of mine it's about 2006 2007 yes yep 2005 2006 I was in Byron that's the years that we would have crossed paths but I left in the late 90s in my early 20s and I think it was really a um a long journey of self-discovery not knowing where I belonged or what I was meant to do and I'm originally from a town in South Australia called Victor Harbour south of Adelaide and anyway years of traveling around having different jobs and having most amazing experiences I um you know I was a diving instructor on the Great Barrier Reef you know I was amazing I know that was just incredible and I worked in international banking in Darwin and did lots of other sort of random things and And because back in those times, there were a lot more opportunities than there are now. You could fall into jobs and you can fall into careers. But everything that I did, I literally would get bored within six, 12 months, bored of this, you know. Do you think the travelling was the escape? Did you realise that you were running away from something or did you feel you were mm -hmm. running to something? I was definitely, what led me to do that was... um, in my hometown, which was a small country town at the time, but it's now grown and it's a city, but I was my identity was revolved around netball and tennis. And I was the local A-grade netball captain and played number one tennis. And so it was really people identified me with my um, sporting um, 
capacity, my sporting um, success, I guess. And then it was, um, I think, sort of around the mid-90s, I too much netball led to shin splints, stress fractures, compartment syndrome, fasciotomy surgeries. Oh, and, yeah, it was a pretty severe um, list of injuries. And after surgery, I fell in the 2% unsuccessful rate. And I then started coaching netball, but I just couldn't cope on the sidelines. It was just the withdrawals of not being able to play were just too big. So I'm like, you know what? I can't, <laughs> I can't live yeah. in this town. It's not fulfilling, is it? No. And I felt like I'd lost my identity to a point. Mm. So then I just had a dream. I'm just going to go and travel around Australia. So that was really the catalyst that led me to do that. And, um, you know, my mum was like, oh, you'll only be gone six months. You'll miss everybody, you know, and, um, and I, well, I'm still not home. So that was, yeah. you know, 24 years ago. <laughs> so, sorry, mum, but I just yeah. never came home. <laughs> and, um, but one of my jobs that I had, it was in um, 99, 2000, I was living in Melbourne and I was working at the Peter McCallum Cancer Institute and, not at the time I didn't realise, but on reflection when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I realised that out of all of the jobs that I'd had, that was the most rewarding and the reason why it was rewarding was because I was supporting people um, who were going through a lot of grief, who were going through a lot of emotional trauma. And then I realised, okay, with out of all of the experiences that I've had, and that being the most satisfying, I'm going to sort of follow that path. And anyway, I um, did an advanced diploma in psychotherapy, did some like counselling stuff, traditional counselling, pretty boring, got bored with that too. So then went travelling again around Australia the, the second time. This is when I ended up in Byron Bay. Mm. And anyway, so kept going and then... Um, when I was coming back down the East Coast, I went up to visit my brother in Gladstone. It took me about six weeks to get there. It was normally you could drive there in a day from Byron. Because you just kept and stopping. Yeah, I just kept stopping. I, didn't, I don't think I wanted to, like, stop and have to get work and, you know, reality, you know, reality check. <laughs> but anyway, as I was going through, I camped on the Sunshine Coast for a couple of weeks and just loved it. It was beautiful. Ended up heading up north a bit further wasn't really working out there wasn't much work opportunities were you looking for like counseling at this point were you looking for a counseling role yeah yeah looking for um youth counseling because I had previously worked in high schools supporting at-risk youth Mm -hmm. and anyway so I came back down for a job interview on the Sunshine Coast and as soon as I hit the highway around Noosa area the northern part of the Sunshine Coast I just had this moment of like, ah, like I've arrived. I can feel like it I'm now. Home. Like I'm getting chills just like, yeah. Yeah, and I felt home and I'm like, mm. okay, after all of these years of travelling around Australia, I have finally found my spiritual place of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I thought, great, you know, I didn't get the job I applied for, but even better, I found a sense of belonging, you know. So the next day I went back up, packed my car and everything that I owned belonged, like fitted in my car. And then I came back down um, to the Sunshine Coast. 
I knew that I wanted to be of service in a more spiritual-based practice. And I'd done a lot of spirituality, a lot of meditating, a lot of channeling. For your but, own um, healing. For my own yeah. healing and, yeah. and um, peace of mind and, and all of that. <laughs> but I also knew that um, I needed some sort of credibility to roll with that. So I went to, I put myself through university and um, did psychology and social work. And outside, up, once I got through that, I was working in um, child protection, which is an awful Gosh. field to work in. It's yeah. um, horrendous. But I quite enjoyed helping and dealing with the trauma-based side of it. And I was easily able to disassociate and not take on, you know, families' problems and all the rest of it. Which is absolutely essential to be working in this field. Is that you just I've literally stop. just written down because that is probably one of the things that we should explore is that is is learning to have that ability to be exposed to so much trauma and and not allow it to affect you. Um, yeah, there are stories that stay with me mm. of children and their abuse that they were yeah. subjected to, and they those stories will probably never leave me, but. Um, emotionally I've been able to disassociate but while I was working in that role um, I got pregnant and decided to take an early maternity leave and I was just enjoying that time reading lots of books and I I can't even remember how I stumbled across this book but it was um, Many Lives Many Masters by Dr Brian Weiss who's an American psychiatrist who had kind of fallen into regression therapy himself. And then he became like a modern-day pioneer of this type of therapeutic practice. And as I was reading this book, I just had this amazing aha moment Mm because he was doing past life regression stuff with his clients. And I just like light bulb went on. I'm like, this is my thing. This is what I'm meant to do. I just could feel it run through my body, you know. I'm just like, and I was... um, in my late thirties at this stage, so it took you know it's a long time to find out what your jam is. Mm. But I looked around, and I was in South Australia at this point. There was nowhere um, to study or become qualified or certified in that. So it's like okay, I'll just keep in the. You know, I'm about to have a baby. I've got other things on my mind anyway. And um, not long after my babies were born, they were back to back. We ended up moving um, back to the Sunshine Coast, and this was in 2010. What, what year are we in now? No, it can't oh, be God knows. I've forgotten what year I'm in. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Lost a year. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's 2014, actually. Um, so, and then I went about getting um, certified in past life regression therapy in Brisbane. They were running some courses. So I went and did that. And then while I was doing that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go back to work. I'm going to work for myself. I've got all the skills. It's time for me to stop being the student and become the teacher. It's because amazing, we can't, isn't it? I know. Yeah. You can become a perpetual student, always thinking that you don't know enough, but that's just lack of confidence. I just think people also, um, there are certain people within life that expect things to fall into their lap and and be served whereas what you've done is you've been searching no I need to create a job 
that is going to satisfy me. And, you know, you've gone and got done all the the studies and everything like that. Whereas I think some people, like you say, you're, you're a student because maybe you're not fulfilled in certain roles. So you just keep trying to find the, yeah. the answer of the job that you want. Yeah. And then there has to become a time though, where you go, you know what? No, I know enough. I'm backing myself. I know enough and it's time for me to step up and be the teacher or be of service, you know. That's so and hard, had, though. That's amazing yes. confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's really taking a leap of faith, isn't it? Mm. And busting through those those barriers of fear and self-doubt and oh. feelings of not being good enough and where all of those um, core beliefs come from, which is exactly the result of our own emotional trauma. Right. So it's like, you know, it's like mm. the, the the cycle, the circle, you know, of what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know. It's, yeah. And I also think we'll know that we, we teach what we need to learn as well. So getting out of our comfort zone is really about us and our own growth as well. So, um, and it, I was pretty wobbly at the start. I had no idea how to run a business and I remember when I had my first sort of run of clients like having sweaty palms thinking I'm gonna get busted for not (laughs) total imposter syndrome kicked in I'm just like you know they're gonna see straight through me and you know like but then because I started off doing just purely past life regression therapy and people were curious about that. But then I learned that, you know what, it kind of can create more questions than answers. And people aren't looking just to discover what they were in a past life, which is fascinating in its own right. But people are wanting to heal something. That's why they're coming, you know. So my the nature of the processes that I've created, uh, one, based on my own healing journey, and two, have just evolved through the journeys of the people that have come through my door or now online, you know. And it's always past life regression, but you come, you bring an element of modern day life in as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the pro that like now I've, I've worked out that past life regression therapy is literally just a tool. So the purpose of um, the whole process is basically to identify the origins of emotional trauma. And trauma comes in all different shapes and sizes. It sometimes, you know, the heavy trauma, you know, like I can, I'm dealing with people that have had um, child sexual abuse or lost parents in car accidents and stuff like that. And then there are clients who their emotional trauma is based on having this abandonment, abandonment wound because when they were two years old, they woke up from their nap and they thought that they were home alone, yet their mother was outside hanging out the washing. Right. You know, so. Mm. Those people um, that came to you with like sort of childhood traumas, they're coming to you as an adult, aren't they? So they've been living with the trauma for a long time and then come to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the reason why people come to me is because they just either feel stuck or they're just unfulfilled, dissatisfied, know that there's, they just aren't experiencing any joy. Literally, they are caught in a cycle of persistent negative emotions, whether it's fear, anxiety, depression, stress, that they just can't seem to break. 
Mm. So they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what I'm going for, but I know that I need help. And then so past life regression therapy is a tool, but we don't start there. You know, we start with the inner child. So we start with the childhood regression. So because any past life trauma that's going to come through rears itself in early childhood. So there's this pattern that continues. And the interesting thing is, is that 90% of our minds represent our subconscious. So the work that we're doing is really tapping into subconscious memories, the subconscious being our auto function where we store our automatic responses, our beliefs, our habits, our emotions, etc. And the other 10% is our conscious mind where our logic and reasoning come from. Between them is the critical mind. And this is our filter. Yet this critical mind analyzes the input and decides what can go into the subconscious mind and what cannot. So it's kind of like the gatekeeper. But that doesn't develop until we're about six or seven. So up until those, till that age, a child's brain, their subconscious, is active, but their conscious mind and their critical mind are still developing. Right. So it's like an open door policy into the subconscious. Once it's and in it's, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, we're not aware of that because we don't have that intelligence or maturity to have any kind of awareness of that whatsoever. Mm. So it's in these formative years, in these early childhood years, that subconscious, subconscious mind programming actually naturally occurs. So that's quite a precarious time. So it's... I mean, that, like you say about that, um, Wib said something the other day about um, um, boys as babies were left to cry longer than girls and that mm. that's had an impact on, you know, male and female way, ways we deal with things, I suppose. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and for me, I mean, I came to you or you came to me <laughs> and we went through a um, process of this regression therapy and and the whole inner child thing is just I think it's people are becoming more aware of it now um, yeah. and it's you know what would you say to that inner child how would you deal with that inner child now and and all you want to do is nurture it don't you yeah we're learning how to reparent ourselves exactly yeah. that reparenting yeah. ourselves but yeah. you then have this um the inner critic which is yes. I think a lot of where I've had problems is I mm-hmm. massively put myself down yeah and the thing is like talking about that um that open door policy which is the subconscious mind in those formative years we are most susceptible at that time to take on limiting beliefs that sabotage our success. And it can be something quite simple as we've learned. It doesn't have to be a major trauma, but something happens that when we are so little or so young, we have an emotional response, but we don't have the mental capacity to be able to rationalize that. So we adopt a thought to that emotion of I'm not loved or I'm, I've been left or, you know, which then becomes an abandonment wound, a neglect wound, some sort of trauma is born. That thought then gets reinforced over time throughout our life, throughout our childhood, throughout our teens, which is an awful period. And then even in 
um, ad early adult or throughout adulthood until we deal with it, basically, is that that belief, say it's not feeling good enough or not feeling worthy of love, then what happens is we attract things that reinforce that belief. So we attract dysfunctional relationships. We attract um, friends that may take advantage of us or drink wine. You know, we yeah, <laughs> that's it. We may like not understand that underlying um, trauma, and so we have this persistent emotional pattern that goes on that then produces patterns of behaviour that leads to self-sabotage, whether it's being um, self-critical, whether it's substance abuse, drinking, um, you know, whatever it is, that type of self, even procrastination is yeah, a just form not of looking protection. After yourself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's a form of protecting ourselves because what we are procrastinating from is not a part of our automated system. It's uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable that we then procrastinate from doing it. I heard a saying so, the other day that um, uh, it was about obesity. Well, I was listening to a podcast about obesity and it was overweight is overlooked. And I think, ooh, yeah. I and like I like that. Mm, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's that mm. self-destruct and, and you're not seen if, if you're this person, like you say, procrastinating in their house, you're, you're not seen. And that's what you're achieving is you're no one's there to love you. Um, that's right. But I think, if, Oh, sorry. No, I that's say, right. I was just going to, yeah. Go on, you go. I was just going to say that that reminded me of a comment that I read not long ago by um, from Rebel Wilson, you know, the actress, mm -hmm. Australian, yes. now living in yeah. America. Well, and all the weight that she'd lost, that she has lost, she said that people treat her differently now. People mm -hmm. actually give her, people give her the time of day. I know, Before, it's awful. Isn't that terrible? They wouldn't even look at her or... And I don't know whether that's because people are uncomfortable with obesity or, mm. you know, whether they just didn't think that she was worthy of their time. could be a bit of both. But, yeah, yeah it's definitely a um, trauma of not being seen or heard. And I wonder whether you go through a process of I'm going to shed the weight or I'm, I'm going to help myself because you get, I suppose, you know, it's depression essentially, isn't it? You, you get to that lowest oh, yeah. point and you yeah. think now, now I need help, but it, you need to know the signs before you get to that low point Indeed. because it's so hard to build yourself back up. I mean, I've been yeah. there. I, I don't ever want to go back into a place where I've had to build myself back up again. Um, yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, and that. But people must come to you going. I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling something. And, yeah. and they just miss all of those signs of trauma or, you know, anything. I don't, yeah. how do, how would you explain to someone who doesn't know they've got a hidden trauma, like look out for signs, like, I suppose it's cyclical. If they're isn't it? feeling, yeah. If they're feeling um, unfulfilled. Yeah. If they are um, engaging in, destructive behaviors and that might be doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol or anything like that it can be being constantly self-critical it can have it can be having flares of um anxiety stress jealousy fear you think anger um, as well anger anger is an yeah. anger yes 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 so many people come to me and say they're angry but they don't know why yeah you know mm. and it is because 
And I think, you know what the interesting thing is about anger is that when you get angry, I think it is a sign that you're ready to heal because you carry these wounds and you numb it out and you do whatever, you run away from your problems, you escape, however that is works for you. And then it's when you have these angry outbursts that because that's the tip of the iceberg. Anger is the absolute tip of the iceberg and everything that's underneath, the lack of self-worth, the feeling unloved, the feeling unwanted, keeping people at arm's length, the anxiety, the fear, the self-doubt, the self-criticism, all of that is like is what's been building up for quite some time throughout life basically mm. since those formative years. And then the anger is the lid blown off the top of it. Mm-hmm. And I think someone with anger issues, you know, they know, <laughs> they know that, okay, this is not healthy. Yeah. It's whether they're ready or not to do the work because it's not easy, as you know. No, it is not. And I think that's the trouble. We live in a world where everything's a quick fix. You know, yes. you can order something on Amazon, it comes the next day. You know, you want to lose weight, you take these tablets and drink this shake and you'll lose the weight in three weeks. The yeah. the healing journey, I mean, I'm on it. I'm I'm there. That's that's gonna be me continuing for the rest of my life because I'm yeah. always learning. I want to learn yeah. about myself and I want to be accepting yeah. about myself. But totally. that's the trouble. And the, yeah. People won't want to do that work. No, because it is so uncomfortable and it's confronting. Because you have to look at the parts about yourself that you don't like, and that's confronting. You have to look at the, you know, um, the, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I find people are carrying around is shame. Yeah. And then there's this fear of being vulnerable and surrendering to the process and exposing themselves as someone that may not be perfect or may not have um always acted with integrity or you know but oh my goodness you know like we are all learning and growing we are all souls on this journey we are all the same at different stages along the path but we're all on the same path and I think the key to healing is allowing yourself to be vulnerable and going it's okay I think then you get judgment and that's yes. what people don't want. They don't want to be vulnerable because that will expose them to judgment. I yes. feel I don't, I don't, you know, that's my no, you're opinion. Right, but mm. yeah, but the biggest, and when we are feeling like we're being judged by others, we are actually in fact judging ourselves. Right. So if you don't judge yourself, you don't actually have any thought of being judged by somebody else. Mm. It is self-judgment that is basically like if someone's like oh you know I don't want to do that because I'm fear of being judged well then there's a self-judgment going on bang yeah. right there there's that mirror Sorry. isn't it so you're look yeah. so if there's something in someone said to me there's there's something in someone else that you don't like they're mirroring something in you so yeah. for me for instance timekeeping I I don't like being late for anything. I um, am super early for everything. But when someone's late, I'm like, that's irritated me. Yeah. <laughs> but actually what it is, is, geez, Jen, just chill out. It doesn't matter if someone's late. And that's yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. I think about that scenario because I think mm. actually you know nothing's happened someone's late but and yeah. that's what I should be be looking at in that situation yeah yeah and that is that's a hard thing to accept though is that 
when people don't behave in a way that we would. That can be something that can be really difficult for people to reconcile within themselves. Mm. That is when um, they would act in a certain way with compassion or integrity or kindness, yet that's that's not coming or someone is not acting or dealing with something, a situation in the same way that we would. Yeah. And then we we react to that. But we have to come back to a place of, well, that's them. That's their journey. They act in a certain way because of their own stuff. Mm. And that just comes with accepting that we're all different, you know, which is not easy to do either. No. And you you do a lot with like when we were having um, our sessions, you talk about like rewiring a lot. Yes, so, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah. That is the... Like I said before, the regression stuff is the tools Mm. to get to the core issue. And then because that has basically created our limiting beliefs and our um, self-sabotage behaviours, we then need to rewire the brain. So that is a really, um, that is the majority of the work, actually. And that's not something that I can do for clients. That is something that I can give them the guidelines but they have to learn or they have to practice it because I liken this work to learning a new behavior. It's like if you, you know, you can't pick up a guitar and start playing Stairway to Heaven. You know, mm-hmm. you have to learn the chords. Yeah. Da, 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 you know, <laughs> boring as ever, <laughs> repetitive. Mm-hmm. You have to practice every day. But eventually you will be able to automatically strum your guitar and play a beautiful song. And it's the same with learning a new behaviour when it comes to our mastering our mind and rewiring our brain. You have to go on repeat. You have to constantly practice. You have to do the boring work. You kind of feel at the beginning that, oh, my God, this is just not doing anything. But it actually takes up to 66 days, unless somebody has proven differently since the last time I researched it, it takes up to 66 days for a new behaviour to become a default response, to become an automatic behaviour, basically. That's 66 so, consecutive days? Yes. <laughs> we can't just like <laughs> leave, it, <laughs> leave it a week and then... <laughs> no, one every couple of months. Yeah, yeah. no, not going to work. <laughs> that is being, and that's why it takes such commitment because it is literally, and you think about it, it's like it's learning a new behaviour. Like once upon a time when we were little, we had to learn to brush our teeth. Mm-hmm. We had to learn to brush them every day. Now, I you bet don't you think about it. No, you just get up, you brush your teeth twice a day. Hopefully, most people brush their teeth twice a day, mm. and but you do it without having to think. It's become automated, mm. and so when we are wanting to change a habit, whether it's being self-critical, um, critical of the self, or whether it is smoking or drinking or eating shitty food. That is just going to lower your vibration. You know, if you're committed to your personal growth, you're committed to raising your vibration, you are committed to changing habits. And that's really what it's about. And that takes a rewiring of the brain to do that. So, yeah, that's just big hard. Yeah, it is. It is really hard. Um, One of the things that we did was the um, I am list. Um, which was and that really helps with the um 
almost the rewiring and the self-talk and things like that and and you made me you made me do it Robin (laughs) I had to write like 10 positive I am's a day didn't I I think yes is that yes you did and you had to keep adding to it every day yeah and the reason why I set that task is because it's a very valuable tool along the path to self-love because ultimately healing is coming to a place of self-love and it's a tool so when you catch yourself out when you listen to your internal dialogue or you hear that inner voice bagging yourself out you've got an instant tool and access to it that you can grab straight away when you are so self-aware that you catch yourself out you can go oh no hang on a minute now that's old stuff I know where that comes from I know where which part of time that that was created that belief I'm done with that. I'm committed to rewiring. And you've got that tool of being able to access quite quickly to override that negative self-talk. So um, it's a very, very useful tool to have on hand. And when you're repeating it on the daily, you then, as soon as you catch yourself out doing something silly or, you know, you're about to criticise yourself, you have that right there. It's right in the forefront of your mind to be able to go, hang on, no, 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 no. I'm not. I am strong. I am, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you're you're gonna have your self-awareness must be like amazing. But you know, you're gonna have times where you're a bit like a little bit self-destruct. And I guess your time to call in yourself out is just so much quicker. So for me, yeah. I find that um, if I'm in a in a bad place, my recovery is a lot quicker than it used to be. I used to be in a slump yeah. for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. I'd be in that yep. self-destruct. Whereas now, mm. you know, I'm kind of 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. And then I check myself and I'm like, no. Whereas I think if you manage mm. to build that practice, the, the time is just so much shorter. Yes. Absolutely. You know, like I have got a perfect example that has just happened like two hours ago (laughs) tearing my calf muscle at netball training because I coach my daughter's netball team and I've only just sort of been on the tail end of the recovery process of tearing it five to six weeks ago and I hobbled back to the car and I burst into tears I was absolutely shattered and devastated. I'm like, oh, here I go again. You know, like that's going to put my exercise back. It means that I can't play tennis. I'm going to be hobbling around. It's just going to make everything difficult. And I had a bit of a sob. And then I got home and I thought, you know what? You cannot do emotion and progress at the same time. You have to choose one. Right, and I'm like, okay. am I going to choose to be in this emotion? Or am I going to choose to shift into the mindset of progress? And I'm like, well, I can't waste my time hanging around in this emotion because I've got a podcast to do. <laughs> <laughs> Snap out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I chose progress over the emotion because when you think about it, you cannot choose both. No. You can't have, you can't be in this negative emotion and also in a place of growth. It's one or the other. So you know, I think it's like, it sounds really weird to say this, but I mean, sometimes people may like to be in this negative yep. self-destruct place because it's yes. so comfortable. Correct. Yeah. 
and I think and they haven't done the work and they don't want to mm. do the work because they yeah. may it's get a 10 yeah exactly it is too hard mm-hmm. um yeah. and you can't put a time limit on it you don't say to people who come to mm. you right well I'm gonna sort out your anxiety in five weeks exactly yeah that's um, right and it's more of a case of coaching people with and giving them the tools and then it falls into place in in their own divine timing Mm. And that's really the case. Like I know I've, I had a client who I haven't seen for probably eight, nine months, and she's only now just starting to um, for it to click. Right. She's only yeah. now just starting for things to fall into place where she's putting herself first rather than being last on the list in her family. She's prioritising herself. She's engaging in much more self-care. But, yeah, it was like it was 12 months ago that we were working together and she was taking it all in and she was desperately wanting the change. Mm. But she wasn't creating new routines. She wasn't breaking bad habits. She was going, no, this is too hard. I'm going to eat all of this peanut butter or whatever, you know. It just, she just wasn't ready to make that breakthrough. And then something clicked over the last month or two and now she's, um, you know, she's actually contacted me and wants to come back for a couple more sessions. Oh, but it's because she's actually like, I, I get what you're saying now. I've gone back and I've checked my notes and I'm now, you know, I can feel and I'm like I'm being inspired by and motivated by the changes that I'm seeing within myself. And, yeah, so it's that really difficult stage at the start of a, a healing or transformation process where you're not seeing results that you just have to stick at it because one day you're just like, whoa, I just caught myself out loving myself, you know? Yeah, which none of us really do. (laughs) None of us do very often. Yeah, so it eventually clicks. Yeah, and I think that is... I'm a great believer of, um, like, things happening for a reason and that journey. And I, I massively believe that your body your whoever's looking after you is like do you know what you can deal with this shit now and I think now is your time to go go through it because you know people are stuck in that situation for you know months years and then there's that one point where they're like no I'm ready now and whether it be you've got a great support network around you whether it's be that you've got finances that you can pay for stuff I don't know I just it it, there's Mm. a point where your body's like now you can you can deal with this because you like you say you have to dig deep you have to deal with stuff yes not want to deal with um and and the consequences of not addressing those issues is lifelong sadness do I mean lifelong unfulfillment yes yeah it is absolutely it is and if you're not addressing these you know like and I think it's just this feeling and I think another reason why people get ready is they just get fed up with themselves they're like okay I am just sick to death of feeling like this (laughs) I'm sick of here I am again you know and for some people it might be you know like a mild depressive mode that keeps coming around it might be anxiety it might be oh here's another um unfulfilling relationship and they're not understanding why they keep attracting this same scenario into their lives. So you'll until, take them back to that place of where it stems from. Yeah, yeah. And then once they've been able to identify that, the mind and body um, 
are interrelated. So once the mind understands that this is where your trauma comes from, then the body responds and the body starts to release and the body starts to purge these emotions that the body has been literally holding on to. And that's why obesity, I think, is such a, an emotional journey because of those not being seen, not being heard, not feeling lovable, feeling just awful within themselves, that just creates this awful snowball and the emotional pain that they're carrying literally just sits on their body, mm. you know. And we do have a pain body. You know, that's where we store our emotions and they show up in all sorts of aches and pains, you know, and you know this. Yeah. But it's not until we go and to the origin of the problem and then we're purging this emotion. So it is, there's lots of tears, there's lots of overwhelming emotion to come up and move through our body and, and release. And that is, um, and it's draining and it's, you know, but that's once it's released and dissolved, then we can understand. It's almost like the mind is um, teaching the body what the mind intellectually understands and that's with the purging and the healing and then it's really about that rewiring process and reconditioning the brain I see it a lot in um in yoga so yeah. you'll see people just cry um and yeah. I had it you know recently I was t someone had never done yoga before it was all online um and I do a lot of twists and heart opening in my classes because probably because that's what I would like Made. I want to yeah. yeah exactly I want to open yeah. my heart and I want to detox yeah. um and yeah. she messaged me and she said I cried and I was like oh you know is everything all right she's like I I just literally sobbed and and every week mm. well, I was still doing a session and she cried after every session and she was How fine beautiful. with it, it well yeah and I mm. and I just said and exactly, you know, probably what you would say to people is you, I said, you're releasing some kind of trauma, you're releasing something you're holding on to, because, yeah. you know, you're not allowing that mind and body to be connected, you're disassociating it. But actually, yeah. when you've gone through that movement process, it's like, oh, my God, I needed to get rid of that. Yeah, um, for sure. Oh, yeah. And the beauty of yoga and the beauty of what you do is that it is teaching people to get out of their heads and into their bodies, into their hearts. And if you're doing like heart opening moves and, you know, like how can you not, you know, when you're expanding your heart, expanding and opening your heart chakra and, you know, it's you're stretching that muscle and you are, enabling yourself to really open up those wounds let the light in you know mm. and no wonder there's been tears because and exposing that, yourself aren't you you're just like yeah opening yeah. yourself to that that bit of love that you know you may have missed out on type thing yeah exactly um, or close yourself off too yeah mm. incredible so the the what you do um, as you said, you do your you you do your regression, you do your rewiring, and then then people need to put the almost put the work in themselves. So that spirituality yeah. side of things is mm -hmm. goes along with the regression therapy side of things, or the fact that we all need to be a bit more spiritual and connect with our mind and our body. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we need to be more holistically connected to ourselves. 
and yeah. not just be in our heads, not just be in our bodies, but recognize that we are souls mm. in these human vessels. That we need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I think once people are able to grasp that holistic approach, then they are more likely to be able to heal the disconnect within themselves a lot quicker. Mm. Because when we are um, when we are in need of healing, there is a disconnect within ourselves, and we need to reconnect with ourselves. We need to fall in love with ourselves. We need to learn how to love ourselves, and you can really only do that by uh, addressing all of those components. Mm. You know, because but like as you know, it's, yeah, I find that if I'm if I'm highly sensitive to things, so I get highly sensitive to noise or people's reactions and 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 I feel that that is an imbalance within me that Mm -hmm. I need to address I think yeah I think for me having a um like being irritable around noise which doesn't it's not conducive with having children it does not work (laughs) out well at all but I've recognized it as being um a personality need of mine is that I need solitude, I need peace and quiet, I need time to catch up with my thoughts because it's the mental overload that women especially carry more so mm. um, because we are, the way that our we are made up and the way that men are made up, men are more sort of compartmentalised and they are sort of focusing on one thing and they're moving to the next, whereas we are more wired to be focusing on a whole jumble of things. Well, we yeah, were created to, yeah, we're created to be a mother, be a housekeeper, be, do you know what I mean? That, it, you know, yeah. that's surely that's full us on. as evol- yeah, evolving mm-hmm. beings. Um, yes. And especially now that society is not like we're just not stuck at home making sure that the floor is swept and dinner's on the table for the man of the house. We are now working. Mm-hmm. We are now evolving. We are now committed to ourselves. We are committed to learning and growing. And there's so much that we want to be and do along with walking the dogs, looking after children, doing yoga, doing our, um, you know, reading and researching and learning and growing. And, and then, you know, thinking about meals and thinking about this and that and the emails and unhappy jobs. And, you know, yeah. like it is just the mental over the mental load is um intense Mm. you know so having peace and quiet and having solitude to catch up with those thoughts is uh pretty essential for anybody really (laughs) but But then but then you get the the mind chatter when you're Mm. you're quite I mean for me I do I really struggled to do nothing yeah, yeah, you do. Because I was talking about this <laughs> recently. <yeah. laughs> um, but that's where these tools come back into play okay. because that mind chatter, that's your internal dialogue and your internal dialogue is driven from your subconscious programming. So whatever your mind chatter is, is a reflection of your subconscious programming. So if it's not healthy, if it's not reaching for those tools, then you have the tools to be able to master yeah your mind yeah because it's really about that you know and there's one thing though that I know like when I'm struggling with something and I just don't have the strength to use those tools I know that that is a day where I get completely out of my head and I go into self-nurture right I detox from 
um, social media. I, I, this is personally what I do, but I retreat. I go within. Mm-hmm. I will basically shut the door and if it's a shitty day, rainy day, then it will don't go out. But it's not very often like that here in, uh, on the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll go to the beach because, as you know, the healing, um, you know, the healing energy of the ocean is just your, your thing as well as mine. Yeah. Um, or if I'm home and I don't want to deal with the hustle and bustle of people or public or anything like that, I will run myself a bath. I will put something really easy on um, Netflix or something, or I'll pull out a Carl Barron, who's an Australian um, comedian. Mm-hmm. I'll pull out one of his DVDs and put that on because he makes me laugh. Yeah. You know, he's so, or I'll find something that just raises my vibration. And we don't always have to be reaching for the highest emotion on the scale, which is joy and enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Some days if we are feeling grief or despair or hopeless, we might just want to reach ourselves, get ourselves to the next level, which might just be more into a place of hope or a place of faith or a neutral place where we're just kind of like not really feeling anything and we are just allowing ourselves to be. Yeah. And being is like observing your senses and that's one way to get yourself in the present is literally just to switch all of your senses on what are Mm. you smelling what are you seeing what are you hearing what are you feeling like feel your body in the chair like just focus on your arms resting on the arms of the chair or Mm. you know like just really starting to drop into your body or you know and there's a lot of things that we can do just to switch off from trying to um have like reach for those tools or you know some days yeah. you just can't some I days you just need to shut the door and have a bath <laughs> totally that um i read something the other day about uh baking bread is really good for that because you use all of your senses because you're touching and then you're smelling and then you're looking and it's just like you know all of your senses are being used whilst baking bread and then you're um, tasting exactly yeah butter. totally <laughs> um yeah so, nice yeah I think it is um yeah it's amazing what you do I think I definitely have um benefited from it and I just think it's an amazing you know we're all talking about these quick fixes you go to the GP you get yeah. put on tablets this, this is not an option for a lot of people Robin it's I mean it's not oh, out no. there it's it's not being prescribed by our GPs mm. it's it's really mm. hard to to get a hold of that and you know again we were saying you know people don't want to put in that work but the yeah, sessions right. are in mm. invaluable um, yeah. and like you say it's a toolkit do you know what I mean mm. yeah for life exactly it is worth investing in something that you will use and it is an investment essentially um and like I say it's such a shame that it's it's not readily available you know there's not more Mm. of you out there um yeah that's it and the beauty of this work especially regression therapy is that you can spend months and months and months spending thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds on therapy where you're going and you're just talking about your stuff consciously and Mm. the therapist might give you a bit of a back rub and say oh you know like you're really good and you're kind and you're lovely and you're this and you're that but consciously we can't solve what is lying within our subconscious 
So this therapy is so efficient at getting to the core of the problem and purging and releasing the emotional trauma that our bodies are holding on to mm. that then the work is about rewiring. Yeah. And it is probably the most efficient form of um, psychological growth because it's just getting straight to the problem rather yeah. than, you know, because consciously you're not going to be able to tap into a memory when you were two or understand it because our, from an adult's perspective, we're like, oh, well, that shouldn't really matter. That's not a big deal. But when we are dropping back into our younger, early child self, well, then we are understanding that, oh, yeah, she was really upset. She was wounded. She needed to feel loved. She needed to feel cuddled. She needed to, you know, feel safe. That's a big one. And then so we reparent that little girl that lives inside of us. That's where all of our feelings come from. Our triggers and our wounds are not aren't our adult self necessarily. They're not coming from who we are now. Most often it's coming from the emotional trauma that lives inside of us, which is that little girl crying out for help. Mm. And or I think, boy. yeah, I think um, um, from my point of view, I, as growing up, I always didn't want to blame somebody else for the way I was. I didn't want to blame someone else because I was anxious. I didn't want to blame yeah. someone else because I was depressed. I just, it was all my fault. It was all my doing. And actually, you know, it's okay that, you know, something happened when you were younger and it's stuck with you yes. and and made you yeah. into that person. Um, yeah. And I think that was probably one of the big things for, for me was just being like, it's okay to, to not, maybe blame is probably a bit of a harsh word, but do you know what I mean? Um, the, the way I am is because of certain aspects of my life that happened and I had no control over that. That's right. Yeah. So maybe it was the control that I. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting too, because when we go through this process and we identify wounds from our childhood, it's normally at the hands of our primary caregiver, which is mostly our mum or sometimes our dad, you know, and that doesn't mean that they're to blame for, mm. you know, because they are only parenting with the tools that they have from how they were parented and that's how trauma gets passed down the line is that we parent from our own from our full capacity of being able to do so and that involves you know the wounds that we're carrying ourselves mm. and it gets passed on and you think about it like our parents and our grandparents they had extraordinarily traumatic um you know they were like born in such a or lived in such an awful time like with the wars and the great mm -hmm. depression and yeah you know and so no wonder if you think about it we're only two generations out from those world wars from world war one you know so our parents were born into the era but more, more likely probably world war two yeah um and so we are you know products of basically second generation great depression and war yeah you know exactly having to so it's no, it's no wonder that our parents weren't able to nurture us and, and love us like we needed to be. Mm. And know. especially because it wasn't really recognised. You know, if I look at mm. my parents or my grandparents, my grandparents would never have gone to some kind of counselling. They would have <laughs> God, gone no. and done with it. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't, yes. you know. Sucked it up and got yeah. on with it. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just think yeah. it, it wasn't available. Whereas now we've almost got lots available. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just, you have to, you have to do the work. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And recognize that there's no one to blame. And that as we heal, we heal those around us, you know, we heal the generations before us and we heal the generations after us. And I know that I had one client who um, had a lot of shame around um, the way she was feeling and she, had, she was so emotional. She was just purging. Like she just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed most of our sessions. And then she would get embarrassed about it. And I'm like, don't feel embarrassed because you are healing for your, all of your ancestors. Think about the hundreds of ancestors that have come before you. You are carrying all of their emotions. So when you think about that, that you are healing for generations before you, mm. then she then she's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. You know, like I don't have to feel like such a goose because I can't stop yeah. crying. I am literally healing for generations before me. But that shame of crying has come from something as well, hasn't it? It it's yes. that's yep. you know, I think a lot of us do that. I mean, I cried a lot in our mm. sessions as well. Um <laughs> but I think yeah, it, it is having that um you know, that attitude of stop crying, get on with it, don't deal with that emotion. Yes. Yeah. That we then and as we, adults Yeah. yeah. I had to change my ways with my own kids because I remember um, years ago I would like they would be crying over something that'd fall over and I'd be like oh stop crying you're okay stop crying now when they are upset I'm like cry it out just keep crying yeah. just get it out of your system mm. just cry it out and it gives them permission to know that crying is okay and it's yeah. actually healthy yeah you know I cry all the time like yeah. I you know <laughs> You just, you cried about two hours ago, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I cried today. (laughs) I cried because I tore my calf muscle. Yeah. Mm, You know, yeah. It's just, it's a way to release the emotion. Mm. And, you know, so, yeah, I now am very careful. And I'm sure I'm creating trauma in my own children's lives because none of us are perfect. But I make a very good point, especially with my son, Tom. You know, I don't want him growing up thinking, um, you know, men don't cry or big boys don't cry. Because mm-hmm. I hear that. I hear that around in my peers, like my yeah. parenting peers. I hear them say, oh, you know, pick yourself up. Boys don't cry. I'm like, oh, cringe. Yeah. I'm just like, yes, they do. They're allowed to, you know. It it's is, awful. Yeah, it's sad. Mm. I am um, so looking back on this massive journey that you have been on, the days yes. that you were, you know, your little netball star, tennis star do do you look back at that fulfillment and feel like you are better now you didn't oh my god that outside stimulant of you are really good oh my god yeah back then I would play tennis I would play netball I would drink myself silly on a Saturday night with Mm -hmm. my um teammates and you know like I was just 20 something so completely in the ego had no Mm. Um, it wasn't until uh, I was in my late 20s and I'd gone to see a um, psychic. I wanted a reading. I wanted mm-hmm. her to predict my future and tell me some wonderful things that were going to happen, completely in the ego. Yeah. And um, I go and see this, this woman, Chrissy, her name was, and she was really confronting. 
And I left there thinking, who the bleep do you think you are? <laughs> you know, like I was just like really taken back. It's not what I went for. I wanted her mm. to tell me. She was know, not feeding your ego, was she? She was definitely not. She was confronting, <laughs> confronting my ego. And I left and I'm like, wow, you know, like that was really uncomfortable and I'm not really happy with that. And it took me a couple of months to realise, oh, my God, she's right. I do keep people at arm's length. I do push people away. I don't let people in. I'm not actually, I am wearing a mask. I am, you know, portraying myself to be someone I'm not. I do have all this underlying trauma. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, here I go. <laughs> I've got to do and some I work went, now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I went back to see her and then I spent um, months working with her and getting to the bottom of all of my stuff. I felt so liberated from mm. doing this work that I wanted to scream it from the rooftops for everybody. You've got to do the work. Yeah. But people don't, people can't until they're ready. But that was the catalyst for me. Mm. So that was um, 18 years ago that put me on my spiritual journey. Yeah. That was like, wow, you know, thank God that, that I had that rude awakening that day. Mm, I know. And that's <laughs> the know? thing that will be happening to people left, right and centre. People will be getting a slap in the face almost. That's what yeah, kind of what... <laughs> that, that's what that was. That's exactly what it felt like. She, didn't, she was like, um, she didn't sugarcoat anything. No. Even though there was nothing bad, I just wasn't ready to have my stuff thrown in my face like that. Mm, that God, boy, I need it. Yeah, the, the, mm. like I say, the confrontation, the sitting in the discomfort, that kind of yes. stuff. If yeah. um, So we're going to wrap up now because we've probably been going on for about an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we have. could go on four hours. For I could a, definitely. Yes, easily. We could chat if, all day. <laughs> yeah, if um, <laughs> you were going to be... Um, giving someone any tips and tools and what would be your kind of go-to like for me from from our sessions like my my I am list that that repetition of I am strong anything it could be I am strong I am calm but I think for people who might have trauma that they're not ready to maybe address or people have got trauma that they don't even know I mean, it's quite hard to give a person one tip as to how to move yeah, forward. But if you could, I think anything you could kind of say. I think the biggest thing, the biggest tip that I could give anybody at whatever stage they are at mm-hmm. is not to compare themselves or their life to anybody else and to understand that they are exactly where they need to be because the soul knows no time. We are multidimensional beings. And the other tip is that just become really aware of the stories that you attach to things, Mm. you know, the stories that you attach to a situation or a relationship or yourself or your parents or a, um, a, you know, like an event that happened or or whatever or circumstance because the story that um, that you attach to something quite often is distorted dysfunctional and leads to um these negative thoughts and feelings not just about ourselves but about others and leads to judgment and criticism and basically spiraling away from the direction and where we want to head in order to be connected within ourselves so i think to sort of sum that up is check in with the stories that are running through your head 
and so do hard. not compare. <laughs> yes. And mm. even write them down. You might not understand them or understand where they come from, but write them down and go, okay, well, is that true? It's you know? like, so, uh, you know, I've been a massive storyteller in my life. Um, and one thing that springs to mind is, you know, we're living in this instant world. Um, so if you send a text message, you expect a text message back. But the the old gen would be like, well, they're not replying because they don't like me. Then they're replying because they don't want to go for a drink. And I've asked them out for a drink. It's that. And you get in a massive spiral and then they go, sorry, left my phone at home. Like, and you've yeah. spent an hour literally like the trauma in your body because you're like, well, they don't like me. They yeah. don't do all of this. And it is so, it's such a powerful thing. I think you're absolutely yeah. right in saying, just check in with that story. Yeah. And it takes practice. It really does. And the thing is, like, now that we live in such an instant global world, like, we are literally, like, globalisation is just connecting us all to, you know, we are literally a second apart from mm-hmm. wherever you are in the world. Mm. Social media, with messages, with texting, with emailing, now that we have these smartphones that hold everything there, yeah, it's very real for people to get anxiety if somebody hasn't responded in a timely manner, especially mm. if they're not behaving in a way that we would. It's coming right back to that full yeah. circle again. Yeah. And it's that because, you know, like sometimes we might be a lot more efficient that we're like, okay, we're keeping on top of things as the day rolls. And I know I'm like that. I will email or message back at, you know, my first opportunity. Some people read it, put it down, do something else, forget about it. Some people just like, oh, you know what, I don't want to seem too keen or eager, so I'm just going to hold off, whatever. Who knows? Mm. But these are the scenarios that we have to play in our head. It's not like, oh, they're deliberately ignoring me. It's like they may be busy. Their phone may be flat. They may have left at home. You know, and then. We always think the worst, I think. Yeah. Don't we? It's yes. Our brains are wired that way. And it's yeah. called the psychological negative bias. Right. And it is a natural way. And we used to have to think like that back in the dark ages because we would have to always be on the alert for danger. So that right. negative bias would actually serve it's... us well back then. Mm. But now in the world of modern technology. Yeah. That negative bias doesn't serve us well at all. That's why no. we have to be so aware of our internal dialogue, of the stories we're attaching to things, mm. and be very mindful of mastering those thoughts with something that's a lot healthier that is going to serve us. Yeah. Not making up these stories, oh, they mustn't like me or I've said something to offend them or whatever, whatever. Mm. We have to remind ourselves they'll get back to me when they, when they yeah. can and we get on with then if we need to start reaching for our IMs, start recalling, you know, like our own strength and courage and all that sort of stuff and filling Mm. our own cup. Yeah. And then then we forget about it. And then they message us eventually and they'll say, oh, geez, I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you. And you're like, that's totally cool. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, exactly. Because you actually have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about mastering your mind. And first to do that, you need to become aware of it. So mastering your mind to master your life. Thank you so much, Robin. My pleasure. It's been amazing. I know. Um, So, um, yeah, I have really enjoyed this and enjoyed sharing your gift, which is essentially what it is. You've created a massive um, 
tool for people to use and I think it definitely should be on a prescription pad somewhere being (laughs) dished out to people like (laughs) honestly um so yeah um, yeah exactly so uh thank you very much thank you my pleasure